0: focusing on stories and issues impacting Kentucky. This is the Commonwealth Matters. The Commonwealth Matters is a production of the Commonwealth Policy Foundation. We're a nonprofit public policy group that's helping Kentuckians value life, protect natural marriage, defend religious liberty, and promote fiscal integrity. To learn more about our work and find helpful resources, visit CommonwealthMatters.org.
1: Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter. Thanks for joining us for this program. Charter schools have been a a hot topic here in Kentucky over the last few months. Um, And we're going to spend some time in this episode thinking through charter schools, what they are, potentially what they're not, and how can they come to be or will they come to be here in Kentucky? Our guest is Dr. Gary Houchins, um, and he, he joins me now. Dr. Houchins, thanks for joining us for the program. Thanks. My pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all, before we, we jump in here. We, we've had you on the program uh, before, but but this is a little bit more of a, a personal opportunity for us to be together. Um, and I think it's important for folks to, to know your background before we even start talking about charter schools.
2: Sure. Well, I'm... Um currently completing, I think, my 20th year in education. I have been a teacher, an assistant principal in principal, uh, a district-level administrator uh, most of those years in Kentucky public schools. And for the last eight years, I've worked at Western Kentucky University, where I train the next generation of public school
1: administrators. And so when it comes to schooling, Your career has been in schooling, but it's also been in public education. That's correct. That's correct. I I had a
2: couple of years out of state uh, working in parochial schools, but otherwise uh, my career has focused entirely around public schools. And for the last two years, I've had the honor of serving on the Kentucky Board of Education, uh, where I'm part of a team helping uh, try to craft policy for all 173 public school districts in the Commonwealth.
1: Yeah, and so talk a little bit more about that. You, you, You just mentioned that you have served on the Kentucky Board of Education as well. That's correct, yeah. For the last
2: two years, uh, I have been a member of that board, and uh, it's an 11-member board that oversees uh, the Kentucky Department of Education and tries to
1: provide policy support for all of our schools. Now, in a previous episode um, of the Commonwealth Matters, we reached out to you and to Representative Bam Carney from up in the Campbellsville area um, just about what's happening with charter schools in the General Assembly session. Now that has all passed for 2018, we want to just slow down a little bit and and spend some time with you on uh, helping folks understand what a charter school is. Um, And so I don't know of any better way to do it than just to pose that question to you. What is a charter school?
2: The way I like to describe it is that a charter school is a public school that is independently operated. In other words, it, it is a, uh, it's a public school in every way, uh, in that it is uh, taxpayer-funded, um, that it must accept all uh, applicants, uh, it cannot charge tuition. Uh, but the key difference is that uh, it is not operated by a local school district. It's governed by uh, its own independent board of directors who enter into a contract or a charter, which is where that term comes from. They enter into a contractor with an authorizing agency. And here in Kentucky, under our law, that authorizer
1: is uh, most likely going to be a local school district's board of education. Okay. So you have used the phrase public charter school every time you've used the the phrase. Is there a difference between a public charter school and a private charter school? There is not. All
2: charter schools are by definition public schools in that they don't charge tuition. They are non-sectarian. Uh, in other words, they, they uh, cannot be operated by a religious entity or have a religious identity. Uh, and they must be open to all students uh, and must provide services for all students regardless of their, um, their race, their disability status, uh, or, or any other factor that uh, would apply
1: to a traditional public school. Um, on, uh, w- w- we'll talk about this more, but, but I guess one question I have, um, or at least had before coming into this, um, and, and maybe it makes more sense now, but I was going to ask, so why is a public education guy, um, interested in charter schools? But I think that word public is probably the reason why.
2: That's right. That's right. I, I, I see charter schools as one strategy among many that we should consider, uh, for trying to address, um, you know, uh, historical achievement gaps that we we face. Kentucky is not alone in that. Every state in the United States uh, is unsatisfied with its overall level of student achievement. Uh, We have many great schools uh, in Kentucky. Most parents are very happy with the education that their children are getting, but the numbers are pretty clear that we're not educating kids uh, at, uh, at, a, at a fast enough rate to a high enough level of proficiency to be well prepared for the economic and cultural realities that we face in the 21st century. And so um, for that very reason, I think we ought to be open to the idea that every family uh, deserves uh, some choices in their education provider. Um, uh, Charter schools have been demonstrated around the United States to do especially well with low-income students, with students of color, uh, and and especially in urban areas, Uh, and so uh, for that very reason, uh, they are a, a strategy that can be used to good effect. Uh, to boost student achievement and to give low-income families the kinds of opportunities that more affluent families enjoy every day when they make choices about where to buy a home so that their kids can get access to their preferred uh, school uh, or if there's enough affluence there to actually exercise private education. So there's there's a, a fundamental fairness issue at work in this argument that has always appealed to me as well that every family no matter what their income or zip code um, should have uh, some choices in uh, who educates their, their children. And in doing that, um, that in no way diminishes the public good that is education. We have lots of public services that are highly personal in nature uh, in which we give the beneficiary a, a choice of provider. Uh, we can think about healthcare as an example or higher education uh, as an example as well. Um, we've grown accustomed over the last hundred years to most people being educated by their local district school that works for most families. And I believe will continue to work for most families, but uh, some children uh, need another option. And that's what charter schools provides.
1: And so these, the public charter schools provide the opportunity for the, the kids that would potentially fall through the cracks to be focused on, to receive more attention, more specialization Um, in in their education. That's right, yeah. Part of what makes charters
2: uh, effective where they have been successful is their autonomy. So because they're independently operated, charter schools have the ability to... to be innovative in their curricular instruction program, uh, to do things that are different around the the structure of the school day or the calendar year, um, and in general, just be very nimble in responding to individual student needs. There are much fewer layers of bureaucracy necessary for school leaders in charter settings uh, to be able to craft a kind of customized education for students. uh, And that seems to be at least part of um, what makes charters successful
1: in some communities. And so how does that balance together? Because earlier you said um, that, that they would most likely be overseen by the local school board, but just a second ago you said they were autonomous.
2: That's correct. So um, in in Kentucky, under Kentucky's law, uh, a if someone wants to open a charter school, they'll have to actually make application to a local board of education. Now, there's a provision in Kentucky's law where the mayors of Lexington and Louisville have the opportunity to ask for permission from the State Board of Education to become authorizers. But as of right now, neither of those mayors has done so. So under current Kentucky law, uh, anyone who wants to open a charter school would apply to the local board of education and they would have to make a case in their application as to uh, why an additional educational option is needed in uh, this particular community, uh, the kinds of students that they hope to serve and would have to demonstrate their capacity to be effective uh, in, in doing so. Uh, and if if that application is approved, then the uh, the charter school enters into a contractual relationship with the local board, uh, where the board has some oversight authority. That it, they cannot uh, they cannot dictate the day to day operations of the school uh, or the key managerial decisions that are made there. But they do have a responsibility for overseeing the, whether the charter school is actually following the terms of its contract. Uh, and uh, each charter is subject to renewal after a 5 year period and so uh, at that point then the authorizer would uh, revisit the school's performance and um, and need to make a decision about whether they should be able to continue in operation so you know in that way charter schools have Uh, an additional layer of accountability that balances out their autonomy. Uh, They have to participate in all the same accountability testing and regulations that traditional public schools do, but they also have to compete for students. Uh, They're dependent entirely on families that choose to send their children there, and so if they can't recruit and retain students, uh, they're not going to be able to stay open, and if they can't meet the terms of their performance contract, uh, they may be subject to closure. And so, there is, uh, charter schools represent a real balance bet- between this
1: trade off of autonomy and
2: accountability.
1: Okay. We're going to talk more specifically um, about what, what a family would, would expect, what, what they would receive in a charter school um, in just a moment when we return on the Commonwealth Matters. We hope you'll stay with us.
3: Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light? Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 2540 tells us, The King will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services.
1: Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter. During the General Assembly's 2018 session, public education was a central focus. There was a great debate that surrounded it, and one of the things that was mentioned was public charter schools. Though they were approved during the 2017 General Assembly session, there aren't any public charter schools as of the spring 2018 here in Kentucky. What is a public charter school? Most Kentuckians aren't sure. So we decided to sit down with Dr. Gary Houchins to get more information about them. He's an associate professor in the education field at Western Kentucky University, and he's also been a member of the Kentucky Board of Education. If you missed the first portion of our conversation with him, you can find it at commonwealthmatters.org. Dr. Hougins, as we continue the discussion, let me ask you this. What are some of the most common reasons people want to start a public charter school?
2: Right. That's a great question. Um... Uh, in many cases, uh, a, a charter operator is going to open in a community where there have been historically underperforming uh, groups of students, uh, and there's some evidence that the district schools are struggling to adequately meet the educational needs of all of the students, um, so in some cases, it's the case is uh, made that um, we're going to be able to serve a group of kids that the traditional schools have not uh, thus far been very effective with. But in other cases, uh, charters apply with the intent to try to offer a specialized kind of curriculum or program that is not currently available in the traditional public schools. And so they might have a focus on um, on the STEM fields or career and technical education. Um, they might be a school that specializes in serving uh, students with special needs. Uh, so you could have a, you know, a, a autism-related um, uh, specialty charter school that really wants to to uh, provide additional services for students with that particular need understanding that under kentucky law they would have to take students regardless of whether they had that particular need or a particular curricular interest um, in the application process and in terms of their overall operations they're trying to address uh, either a special student need or a kind of curricular focus that is not currently available in the community
1: and so i think that that bears repeating that that a, a public charter school is not allowed to turn away students they just inform the parents that this is going to be the focus of our methodology, of our curriculum, all all of those things.
2: That's correct. That's correct. And there is a provision uh, in the law whereby if a charter school has more applicants than they have seats available for, then they have to have a lottery. Uh, to keep it completely fair, and students are drawn at random for enrollment. And then, um, and then uh, those names that are left over are drawn randomly to create a waiting list for admission. And so there are provisions to try to ensure that uh, the charter school cannot be selective
1: in who it admits to the school at all. Um, I, I can see potentially, I, I think it's, it would just be human nature, but I can see potentially that some teachers, um, I, I, I can understand their offense. Because if I'm going to petition the school board to start a specific charter school, then it may seem like I'm saying because the teachers in this district aren't doing a good job. Um, I think that's just human nature. I mean, that's, that's true of all, you know, and anything that, that somebody wants to come in and do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but how, do we, how do we wrap our heads that that's, even though it feels that way, that is probably not what's happening? Right. The way I look at it is this. I mean, one of the things I've learned
2: in 20 years and being in and around schools is that no school, no matter how good it is, can meet the needs of every single child. Um, the The diversity of our students' needs are just simply too great. And we've grown accustomed to this expectation that teachers should be all things to all students. And that really puts an unfair burden on hardworking teachers who are truly doing their best uh, to try to meet those students student needs, uh, when in in fact uh, perhaps we just need to have a wider variety of educational settings which can provide some of that differentiation uh, that we're struggling to achieve in um, uh, you know, in in the current uh, structure of, of schooling, um, we've grown accustomed to some level of personalization in virtually every aspect of our lives, uh, and yet we still uh, expect our schools, which will inevitably be structured around a sort of one size fits all tendency, uh, to to do something uh, that. Um, is is
1: probably unrealistic for us to ask them to do. Hmm. Let, let's go down the financial avenue for a few moments. Um, and I, I know you've mentioned this already, but I'm going to ask it again just in a very direct way. <laughs> Who pays for charter schools? Right. So um, the parents
2: do not, we'll put it that way, other than in the taxes that they would pay just like all the rest of us, right? So in, a, um, in most states, uh, when a family chooses a charter school, uh some portion of the education dollars that are attached to their child and that would have gone to their assigned public school anyway, follow the child to their new charter school. Uh, and so uh, that's where the charter school's funding comes from. Uh, in most states, it's typically a lot less uh, per pupil than the amount of money that's going into the traditional public school. On average, it's about two-thirds uh, of the same amount of money. Uh, and so the school. The charter either has to figure out a way to operate on those limited budgets or they have to seek outside uh, fundraising, uh, but they cannot ask anything of the parents financially who actually uh, send their kids to that school.
1: And so what about the folks who would say that this is going to, that, that charter schools will hurt Public, you know, the, the public schools as we know them.
2: Right. Well, I would just uh, suggest that the 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 general research evidence on charter schools suggests that that's not the case. Um, that when school choice is introduced into a community, you you typically find a net or even positive impact on the the local public schools both from a a financial standpoint and in terms of an academic uh, standpoint Um, so the numbers of students who are utilizing this new option are such that it it does not create a huge financial burden on the traditional public schools Um, but part of the challenge in all of this is recognizing i think thinking about uh, education spending in a different kind of way um, it requires us to think about education dollars as a benefit for students rather than as operating expenses for, uh, for particular institutions. Uh, and so the only way that you can think about a charter school as draining money from a traditional public school is if you believed that the family shouldn't have that choice uh, to begin with. Uh, you know, here in Bowling Green, we have two hospitals and we never suggest that we're draining money from the medical center because someone uses her Medicaid benefit at Greenview Hospital. Uh, we, we don't think about it that way because we understand that Medicare is a benefit for, uh, individuals. Uh, we just want them to get high quality service, whichever provider they select. And so, um, it really comes down to whether you believe that low income families should have that kind of option in education provider or not.
1: Mm. And one of the, the differences, even though even on, on your illustration that, that you use is that a public charter school may be in a new, different location, but it possibly could be inside an existing public school building and maybe even some of the teachers that were at the the School that's been there for years and years now transition and that they're going to the same building every day, but they're actually teaching at a different school within that building that is a public charter school.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a scenario that is very reasonable, and you can find examples of that. You can also find examples of uh, charter schools that are actually initiated by the school district itself, where they see an opportunity to um, meet uh, the needs of a particular group of students or to provide a particular kind of instructional environment that, for whatever reason, they found more difficult to do under the, um, th- the traditional structures of schooling. And so, in some cases, districts themselves find it advantageous
1: to initiate charter schools uh, within their boundaries. Um, It it became legal uh, for charter schools to exist in Kentucky, in Jefferson and um, Fayette counties in 2017 in the General Assembly. Um, But so far, we haven't seen really anything else happen. Um, What's the why not? Right. Well, one clarification there. The law actually allows the
2: initiation of charter schools anywhere within the state of Kentucky. I think lots of folks anticipate that uh, that many of the charter applications may appear in Lexington and Louisville because they are our largest communities and uh, most likely uh, can could actually sustain the demand for some additional educational options. Uh, but you're right. Uh, we created the charter law. What doesn't exist right now is a clear Uh, mechanism by which those education dollars could actually flow with a student uh... to a charter school and so that makes it pretty difficult for someone who wants to open a charter school to have any kind of sense about uh, how to budget properly for their operations because at this point we don't know how much money each of those students is going to bring with them um, it also puts uh, local school districts in a in a bad place if they have to consider a charter application uh, not having clarity about how much uh, how many resources are going to be necessary to make that uh, charter school um, uh, effective. Uh, and so these are policy questions that are uh, open at this point and it makes um, uh, the, the future of charters in Kentucky uncertain, at least until we've had some sort of policy clarification to address this question.
1: And all of that will come from the state legislature?
2: It would mm-hmm. ideally come from the state legislature.
1: Or not. <laughs> or it might not, right. Right. Um, you, you've written about this quite a bit, um, Been been fleshing out this thread for, for a while. Where can folks find that? Right. So uh, most
2: of what I've written on this topic, Kent, uh, appears on my blog, uh, and that's uh, called the School Leader blog. So you can uh, look for schoolleader, one word, dot, dot com, uh, for my blog, or if you, just, uh, if you just search Gary Houchins' blog, it'll be the first thing that pops up.
1: We want to thank Dr. Houchins for taking some time to be with us on the Commonwealth Matters as we've been thinking through public charter schools here in Kentucky. Stay with us. We'll be back with some final thoughts in just a moment.
0: At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit commonwealthmatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters.
1: Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter. Our topic for this program has been public charter schools. We've been talking with Dr. Gary Houchins as we try to understand what they are how they'll benefit students here in Kentucky, how they'll affect public education, and we've delved into lots more details about public charter schools. If you're just joining us, go to commonwealthmatters.org and you'll be able to hear the entire program, that entire conversation again. We'd also invite you to consider sharing it on social media as this is a hot topic across Kentucky and folks need to know what public charter schools are and we believe Dr. Houchins has brought some insights that have not been heard um, in other places. You know there are always things that are shared before the recording starts or after it stops and one of the things that Dr. Houchins shared was how public charter schools are usually found in urban areas because those are the places uh, where children that are on uh, low income or children with disabilities typically live, at least large numbers of those children um, in public school systems. Now, I'm not sure where you live, but this program airs on radio stations across Kentucky that aren't in urban areas. It airs in mid sized and small towns across Kentucky. So maybe you're wondering why you should care about what happens in the schools in the larger urban areas of Kentucky. I thought about that following our conversation. um, and this is where I landed. We're all Kentuckians, whether you live in a rural area or one of the urban areas, we all call Kentucky home and we need to care about one another across the Commonwealth. Maybe public charter schools are a way that we can provide greater opportunity for children with disabilities or those coming from low income homes. I guess that's yet to be seen, but one thing that we've been reminded of here in 2018 is that we must be intentional in continually helping one another. We must strive for that and make it a priority. We need to be reminded of that daily, every single opportunity that we have to to remember that we are in this together for one another. And we sure hope that this conversation has helped us move in that direction whether you agree or disagree with public charter schools. We'd love for you to visit us online at commonwealthmatters.org. There you can find more resources, uh, things written. You can find videos, other audio resources for you there. Or you can find us on Facebook by looking for Commonwealth Policy. And we'd love to know what you think about public charter schools. Thanks for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter.